Hello and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I am your host, Jason Breitkopf. With me once again is one of my favorite guests and one of my most frequent guests, uh, Christy Davin, who is a former teacher and expert in communications and just a great person to uh, chat with about different topics uh, in education, college counseling, and the college admission process. Hey, Christy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming back on to the podcast. It's my pleasure. So today, uh, I wanted to follow up on an episode that you and I recorded mm, a few weeks ago, and it's been one of our uh, most popular episodes. We got a, we've gotten a lot of feedback on that episode. It was our episode on the differences between SAT math and ACT math. And what we were asked about is, yes, that's great, but what about the other sections of the tests? So today's episode is on the differences between SAT, the English sections, reading, writing, and the essay, and the ACT sections, uh, reading, English, and the essay. So I know that you work a lot with families and students, uh, especially involved with our SAT versus ACT comparison test that I've talked about in several previous episodes. So I know that you've had some uh, questions that folks have asked you, uh, but I wanted to start off, if you don't mind. Please. I wanted to start off with kind of a general overview. Uh, so as every, a lot of people know, the SAT, and, and given where we are uh, geographically in the world, we're in New England, we're in Massachusetts, uh, the majority of students tend to take the SAT, but a lot more students are taking the ACT in this region. And the ACT is a very popular test. Uh, I believe it was two years ago that for the first time ever, more students, more high school juniors in the United States took the ACT in that given year than took the SAT, although it, in the two years since it's gone back to a slight advantage for the SAT. So that's kind of where we are in the world right now where about half of all high school students preparing for and applying to college take the SAT and about half take the ACT. And there is some overlap there, many take both. And folks have a lot of questions about what's the difference between the two tests. And we talked about the math, and on the English side, there's the reading. There's a reading section on each test. And there's a grammar multiple choice section. The SAT people call it the writing section. And the ACT people call it the English section. And of course, both tests have essays. And we can talk a little bit about the essays at the end. Um, I think we're probably going to end up going to end up having to do another episode about the essay uh, because there's some big questions about it these days. But for now, we'll just kind of include it in terms of differences between them. So uh, let's start with the reading section. Um, the reading section on the SAT has changed dramatically in the last few years. Uh, in, as, we, as I've mentioned on the podcast several times before, in 2016, the SAT folks, the College Board, did a major rewrite of the SAT. And the reading section was, in many ways, the section that changed the most. Uh, it used to have a lot of vocabulary questions, and that was one of the big differentiators between the SAT and the ACT. And now uh, they took out all the uh, separate vocabulary questions that they had. And those of us who were old enough to have taken the SAT uh, several testing changes ago might remember they had a lot of analogies on the test, and those went away in 2005. And they had these uh, missing word questions called sentence completions, and they're the ones that went away in 2016. Um, and they also had short passages that were about 100 words, and those went away. So you're left with uh, five long 
passages. When I say long passages, I mean 800 to 1,000 words, which is about two and a half pages in a paperback novel, I guess. And following each of these passages, there's a set of 9 to 11 questions referring to that passage. The interesting thing is, is that's actually much more like what the ACT has looked like on the reading section for years. Just a set of passages with questions, no distinct other types of uh, English language questions in the reading section of separate vocabulary questions. Now, before I go on with that, you, you t we were talking before the podcast, and you had a question about uh, vocabulary that you brought up, and I wanted to talk about it here in the podcast. So could you uh, jump back to that for me for a sec? Sure. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I meet a lot with families as we discuss um, sort of the precursor to their test prep experience, which is which test would be better for that particular student. And the student has taken that, our comparison test, which I know you've talked about, and the diagnostic report shows um, lots of data for you know, general information on the whole test, but also breaks it up into sections. And one of the sections is vocabulary in context. And the families are very concerned about that section because they see a big red bar there compared to a lot of the other bars that show how many points per section were lost. And um, the red bar there is bigger because um, they lost more points in that section. And it's important to, um, I always make sure to tell the families, one of the reasons you've lost more points in that section is because it is a much bigger section. And uh, it is a challenging section. One of the questions that I remember on our test has to do with the word ignoble in context. And ignoble is not a word that even people who have been out of the college arena for a number of years really use, let alone kids who are approaching college now. Right. And uh, so talking about that particular situation and that kind of question and how to understand that vocabulary in context is a big part of that, um, of that portion of the test is key to helping families understand sort of where to focus when they talk about test prep. Right. So to, to be clear, a vocabulary in context question is a vocabulary question. And it is, instead of being a separate and distinct vocabulary question like the SAT used to have, where it was a, a sentence with a missing word and you had to figure out which vocabulary word fit in there, uh, it's in the context of a passage. And so the question might say, in line 27, uh, what is the meaning of the word ignoble? And it could be any word. Uh, but the idea is that it's about the context of that sentence. The SAT, uh, that is still a big part. Even though vocabulary has been reduced as a topic on the SAT, there are still two vocabulary in context questions per passage, generally speaking. Um, sometimes there's three and sometimes there's a passage with only one, but it averages to two per passage. So there's 10 out of the questions on the SAT. And if there's only 52 questions, that's about 20%. So still in the passages, about 20% of the questions uh, refer to vocabulary. And that is one minor difference between the SAT and the ACT is that vocabulary and context questions do exist on the ACT. But they're one of nine question types that the ACT can utilize. 
and there's only 10 questions per passage on the ACT, so you might see one, but you might not. Not every passage on the ACT has a vocabulary question. There's only four passages, so there's only two or three vocabulary questions on the entire reading section of the ACT. So it's really much less important for the ACT uh, to focus on fancy word vocabulary uh, than it is on the SAT, which is much less than it used to be, but it's still 20% of the test, uh, the reading <coughs> section. So that's a good point that it, you know vocabulary still matters for the SAT in a way that it doesn't for the ACT, and that is one big difference. Um, there are some structural differences between the two tests. Uh, the SAT has five passages, the ACT has four. Nah, not that big a deal. Um, is the amount of time allowed per question still shorter on the ACT in these sections as it was in the math sections? That is an excellent question. That's actually what I was going to talk about next. So you and I are on the same page right here. That's exactly right. So for the five passages on the SAT, you get 65 minutes. That's an hour and five minutes. And there's 52 questions. So if you think about that, you're getting more than a minute per question. But I don't like to think of it that way. Unlike the math where you know it's a bunch of individual questions, it's really passage-based. There are five passages, each with 9 to 11 questions, and you get, on average, around 13 minutes per passage. And that's not only is that a lot more than the ACT, it's a lot more than the old SAT that ended in 2016, where it was about 10 minutes per passage. So I have found that when I'm working with students, the same type of student who might have felt a time crunch on the old SAT, a lot fewer students run out of time on the reading section on the SAT now. It, it's just a lot fewer. On the other hand, the ACT, you get 35 minutes to do four passages and answer 40 questions. Wow. Less than a minute per question. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting an average of eight to nine minutes per passage. Significantly less than the SAT. So that is, in many ways, the biggest struggle for students when doing the ACT is the timing mechanism. You just get so much less time, it's such a rush. Now, you might ask yourself, wow, these passages are so hard and they give you less time, the ACT must be insanely hard. But it's actually quite the opposite. The reason why the timing is so difficult on the ACT is because at if you ask a student to do an ACT passage with no time limit, most will tell you that they find the passages, just in and of themselves, easier than the SAT passages. From a stylistic point of view. Correct, because the ACT is based on the idea that the ACT people say this, and I agree with them, the ACT is a more straightforward test. It's much more about your ability to take something and answer questions about it, uh, finding and, and answering questions about details and information in the passage. The SAT is a tricky test. It's a puzzle test. It's a problem-solving test. So half the time you have to figure out what they're even asking you to do. The questions are so dense and obtuse. They're just confusing and, 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 and opaque. Um, in fact, the SAT takes it even further. They'll tell you what line numbers to look at for the answer. They'll tell you in line 17 through 21, blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell you exactly where to look, that the answer is somewhere around line 17 to 21. Good luck finding it, though. Blah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> That's kind of how an SAT question feels. They'll tell you where to look. They'll tell you where it is. But it is slathered in puzzle sauce. On the other hand, the ACT 
The questions are pretty straightforward, but they don't give you line numbers. So they give you a shortened time limit and you have to search the passage for a pretty straightforward answer. If you knew where to look, you'd find it right away. I, I do this with students all the time, where if you tell them where to look, they say, okay, I guarantee you the answer to this is in paragraph two. They will find the answer in, this, in a snap. Because the ACT is not easier, but it's more straightforward. There's still challenging passages. There's still you know, same types of passages as the SAT, uh, science articles, history articles, excerpts from literature from the 1800s, the same type of stuff, but the questions they ask are more straightforward, more detail-based, less um, a reading between the lines-based. Inferences are a huge deal on the SAT, much less on the ACT, and that's another big difference. So there's, there's a big philosophical difference. In fact, nowadays, when you look at an SAT passage on one hand and an ACT passage on the other, they look more alike than ever before. A two-page long passage with about 10 questions, and there's a handful of them in a section. It's really the philosophical difference and the timing mechanism that are the most different. So people with different learning styles, it's important for them to understand which one works better for them. Absolutely. The people who love puzzles, the people who are outside the box thinkers, tend to find the SAT a better test for them because they're told where to look and then they can use their puzzle solving skills to break the puzzle. Folks who are much more literal thinkers, even with the tougher timing mechanism, find the ACT a better test. And there are strategies you can use to help you find where to look. I know I teach them. Uh, but it's much more about being able to interpret details and answer straightforward questions. So I have found actually that students that have um, certain learning issues like ADHD, executive function issues, dyslexia, anything where they have trouble reading in a time limit, if that student gets extended time, even though technically the ACT has a worse timing mechanism, if you get extended time, the ACT is actually an easier test for you because you can take the time to do what you need to and that time limit is less of a burden. Um, but even students without that, that accommodation, and again, if you're, we can have a whole episode on accommodations and, and what it means, and we probably should. Um, the ACT is, if you're a much more straightforward thinker, the ACT is a better test for you in terms of the reading. Okay, good to know. Um, is there anything else that we should wanted to mention about reading? Because I, I have a couple of questions about the... Um, the grammar portion. Yeah, I think we're going to go on to the grammar portion in just a second. I think the big thing about uh, the reading section is that, you know, structurally they're very similar. So uh, that is no longer a big differentiator between the tests. It really is philosophical and timing. So let's go on to the, to the grammar section. You said you had a question. You know, you, you hit me with your questions. Well, one of the things I notice as I interpret the diagnostic reports that we hand out with the comparison test, again, is, um, and I apologize, it's escaping me which test this is on, and it may be both, but the, um, they point out a line, they underline it, and they ask whether it's grammatically correct, mm -hmm. or whether, so, uh, and one of the choices is no change, mm -hmm. and then they show you variations um, grammatically, mm -hmm. and ask and ask you to choose which one is Best. Now, I sat right. in on one of your classes, and what I noticed is it was a little bit tricky because there were two that were okay, but one was better than the other. So right. I wanted to ask about that, but I also wanted to mention how often I notice that kids 
picked no change in that portion in that section mm-hmm. more often than they should have and right. um it's a challenge because the sentence looks fine and right for them and right. how to how to get around that challenge right there's a couple things uh, <clears throat> right there that i want to unpack in, in the questions that you just asked you asked more than one question. i did i asked a lot sorry so one of the things that you mentioned was you weren't sure which test it was and there's a really good reason for that uh, the ACT has always had an English section that looked a certain way, at least since they added the grammar section, I think, 30 years ago. The SAT's grammar section, which has always been called the writing section for some reason, even though you don't do any writing on that section, used to be kind of like the math section, a series of distinct questions, single sentences where you you know, identified whether there was a grammar error or not. But in 2016, during the big change, the SAT people rewrote the writing section so that it looks almost identical to the ACT English section. There are a few structural differences in terms of how much time you get and how many questions there are, but they look more alike than they ever have before. So the strategy and teaching to students, those two sections, everything is the same. They're almost the exact same lessons nowadays. So it could have been either. It doesn't really make a difference anymore because they're the same thing. But yes, you, you get a series of passages. They are, they are supposedly, and I'm doing bunny ears here, air quotes, student-written passages. So they're not sophisticated pieces of writing like in the reading sections, where they're excerpts from articles that were published in real journals or newspapers or works of literature from the 18 or 1900s. They're, you know, moderately high school level reading and writing passages on various topics. The task is to read through and identify any grammatical or writing structural errors. If there's no error, you choose answer choice A, no change. If there is an error, you choose from the other choices, B, C, or D, or whatever, and figure out which one works best. The big thing to realize is that both of these tests, the SAT and the ACT, base the grammar sections on standard, formal, written English. You and I, even right now, two well-educated people who are in the education field, no less, are not speaking in formal, standard written English. We're speaking in spoken English, regular spoken English. We're we're not always speaking in full and complete sentences. We're using run-ons and half sentences and fragments. We're using slang and vernacular that, and these things don't appear on the SAT or the ACT. That's the big difference. That's why students will often choose no change more than they should because, and here's those dreaded words, it just sounds right because that's how you speak. People overuse gerunds when they speak. Gerunds, for those of you playing at home, are words ending in ing, like dancing, being, uh, happening. Those are gerunds, words that were, were verbs but have now become nouns or adjectives due to changing the ending of the word. Those are traps built into the SAT and ACT grammar section. And that's why uh, when a student reads that, they, they say, well, that sounds like me and my friends just talking. Yes, that is true. That is what it sounds like. And that's why it's wrong, because in formal written English, when you're in college and you're writing an essay for a college professor, you shouldn't sound like you're just hanging out with your buds at the mall talking about stuff. It's, you know, academic. So I think that's the answer to that question. But the grammar section, uh, strangely enough, uh, the two grammar sections, the ACT English and the SAT writing, are the most alike. 
There are a couple of structural differences. There's more questions and more minutes on the ACT. You get 45 minutes to do 75 questions. And on the uh, SAT, you get 35 minutes to do 44 questions. Again, less than a minute per question, but they're grammar questions. They're pretty fast. Um, there's a lot of grammar questions that are just pretty straightforward. You read the passage. Is this grammatically correct or not? Yes, no, boom, pick the answer and move on. Um, they're the most alike. And interestingly enough, because most Americans who grew up in the United States speaking English, going to public or private school here in the U.S., uh, their grammar is better than they think it is, even if they are not grammarians, not grammar nerds. Um, it's just you're used to talking to teachers and adults and using a relatively appropriate grammar as a, as a kid. So most students are better at this than they realize. It just takes a little bit of instruction, a little bit of brush up, and most students uh, improve quite a bit um, on both sections. They're the easiest ones on which to improve. Okay, great. Well, yeah. I, I find that when I sit down with students, um, again, the, I was struck by the conversation that you had had in that class that I sat in, in which I sat, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that that one student, uh, we debated. You know, it was really easy to eliminate two. Mm -hmm. Two were clearly not correct. As the as possible answers, and then there were two that both seemed pretty good. Yeah, and so, um, and I may be getting far afield when I'm talking about strategies themselves, but um, we're talking about the differences. Is there a way to um, sort of clearly define the differences in a way that um, students who might be listening can understand which one might be better for them? Actually, no. That's the one thing. No, the grammar is identical. The grammar skills are identical. Even the question types are identical between the two tests in the writing slash English section. Okay. So that's the one thing where, no, whether whether you do better on, I mean, in fact, in my experience, students do about the same in both tests universally. It really is much more about the reading on the English side uh, between the SAT and ACT. That is the big differentiator. So. The math is obviously a big deal. We had a whole episode on that. But on the English side right now, the, the, the reading is the biggest difference, not okay. the grammar sections. Okay. So, so when they're trying to determine which test they want to take, they don't really need to spend much time thinking about the writing section, just the reading section. for. The Correct. The writing math. or English, yeah. They don't need to spend a lot of time okay. thinking about that. But that's why I wanted to talk about it, to tell you you don't need to think about it. The last thing is the essay. And I'm, I'm hoping to have soon an episode on the essay and what it is and its value. Because there's been a lot of news uh, and there's been a lot of debate amongst educators going on over the last year or so. And there's been a lot of uh, information out there. I've seen articles in USA Today about the SAT essay. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's a major national newspaper and they're talking about the SAT essay. But I wanted to talk about it in terms of um, as a differentiator between the tests. So assuming that a student is going to take the essay for whatever reason, uh, and, not, and again, they are optional, both of them, the SAT essay and the ACT essay are optional. Um, there is a big difference between them. And the biggest thing about it is that the way they're structured is different. The SAT essay, the assignment is a student is presented with a two-page long passage to read. And then they have to write up to four pages of an analysis of that passage. The passage could be an article from a recent newspaper, magazine, online news source. Uh, and it's going to be a real article, something that was really published within the last five years, and people can find it on the internet and read it. 
or uh, an excerpt from a famous speech or piece of writing by an important public figure, uh, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, um, you know, any of the suffragettes like Elizabeth Cady Stanton or Susan B. Anthony, uh, civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King or Frederick Douglass, folks of that nature. And the student is tasked with analyzing the effectiveness of the argument of the writer. And that's a really hard task for a lot of students. Many students will tell me they've never seen anything like that in public school or even private school. They've never seen anything like that. On the other hand, there are students who tell me, oh yeah, we do this all the time in English class. And sometimes that's not private school students, that's public school students who say that. But for the most part, most students tell me they've never seen anything like that, uh, an analysis. And the big trap is to summarize the article and then give your opinion. And that's not what the SAT is asking you to do with this essay. It's asking you to analyze the effectiveness of the argument by looking at the quality of the argument, the evidence used, and the style that the writer uses uh, to get their point across. That's very challenging for students. Um, and that's also very different than the old SAT essay, which was much easier, which was much more about you know giving your opinion on a very generic question. The ACT essay, on the other hand, is a much easier topic. You're given a paragraph on a current event issue. And it's usually something that's understandable and relatable to high school students. It could be, um, do you think kids use technology too much? Do kids, do teenagers spend too much time on their phones? Uh, it could be, should high school students be required to maintain a C plus average in order to apply for a driver's license? Uh, should public schools be required to have dress codes? So these are current event issues, but they're uh, ones that high school students may have thought about. May not have, but may have. And in addition to that paragraph describing the issue, it's followed by three shorter paragraphs called the perspectives, which are three opinions on that issue. Usually, I can generalize and say one of the perspectives is for it, one is against it, and one is trying to play both sides or be wishy-washy. Well, sometimes it's right and sometimes it's not. You know, that sort of response. And the task is to provide your own opinion on the issue and then analyze two or more of the three perspectives. I agree with that one and this is why. I disagree with that one and this is why. And it's a much easier essay to write for students because you can use your opinion and you can apply your personal experience and knowledge or just make up some experience. My friend Bob, <laughs> you know, wears a school uniform. Do you really have a friend Bob? No, I don't. But I'm just going to write about this because, you know, it's a way to explain my point. Mm -hmm. And so students tend to find the ACT essay a lot easier to write. And I find that it's easier for students to improve on it because... Uh, they can depend on their opinion, they can depend on their personal experience, and then they can respond to the perspectives and, and tell me why they disagree or agree with something. And that's a lot easier task than a pure college-level analysis essay like the one on the ACT, I'm uh, the one on the SAT. Well, yeah, it sounds like the SAT also, and let me know if I'm wrong, um, there's more involved in the actual reading and gathering of evidence in the SAT. You have to take more time with the paragraph and probably pull out your evidence 
points, whereas the ACT, it's more about structuring your response. Right, you're absolutely right. You're not wrong at all. The, the, uh, when I'm tutoring the SAT essay, uh, the task is 50, that's five zero, 50 minutes long, and I tell students you should spend minimum the first 10 minutes just reading the passage, which is two plus pages long, and writing down notes and, and planning your essay, the structure of your essay. Uh, there's a lot that goes into tutoring an SAT essay. There's a lot of uh, technical stuff, analysis, analytical terms. We talk about Aristotle in the lessons. I mean, I literally talk about Aristotle in the lesson for the SAT essay. Um, and so a lot of students find it a very challenging task. When I tutor or teach lessons on the ACT essay, it goes by so much more quickly. The students really understand that they're used to writing persuasive essays. They understand the process of doing that and how uh, giving your opinion feeds into that uh, and how you can use your opinion then to compare and contrast and, and overcome someone else's argument with your own argument. So much easier task. That's really good to know because when families and students are sitting down to discuss which test to prepare for, um, the essay is something that is very intimidating for them. They mm -hmm. know that a lot of colleges um, don't require them, but um, a lot of families, especially students who are thinking of entering a field where writing is a part of what they're doing, I encourage them to give the essay a shot mm -hmm. because um, Again, as we all know, in a college application essay is, you know, written and rewritten and revised mm -hmm. by multiple people, and right. it is very crafted. You have most students take it to multiple people and make sure that it is polished as as it can be. Yeah. But colleges who are interested in knowing how how good a writer you are will want to see that sort of more um, impromptu. You know, you're definitely working on it by yourself. It's definitely your work and how well you do under that sort of time constraint. Yeah. And so knowing the differences in the two essays is really important when they're choosing an, an exam to take. Absolutely. And I want to go into the essay a little bit more in depth in a, in a future episode mm -hmm. because, there's, as I said, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about that. Uh, around the country beyond just the education field. Uh, so did, is there anything else on your mind? Because I think that kind of sums up the differences between the SAT and the ACT in terms of the English language parts. Mm -hmm. No, I think this has been really helpful. I look forward to the, uh, the episode about the essay. Yes, I think we're, we should talk about that soon. Uh, those of you listening at home, thank you so much for, for listening. Thank you, Christy, for joining me for this conversation. Always my pleasure. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to like it, to heart it, to whatever your podcast app of choice lets you do to say you approve of an episode. You can also share it with your friends. Uh, I'm very happy to be shared. Um, and if you really enjoyed it, you can subscribe in the app of your choice because that way you get new episodes right away. They download straight to your phone or other listening device. If you do want to respond to us, you can leave a comment in iTunes. Uh, or if you want to reach us a little bit more quickly and efficiently, uh, uh, in our Twitter, pardon me, in, our, uh, in the show notes, you'll find uh, the link for our Twitter feed, at EndeavorPod. Uh, the, uh, it will send a notification to my phone if you do, and I'll be able to respond to you almost right away. I look forward to that. Um, and uh, there should be in the show notes a link to the article on this topic on uh, our blog. So you can follow up and read there, along there as well. Thank you so much as always. And as always, let's keep learning.